Well, today, folks, we're going to dive in and talk about the front end of creating a business. If if you're an individual that you think you've got that entrepreneur fire in your belly and you want to go out and get something done, there are some key things you want to think about and, and work on uh, before you pull the trigger. And today we're going to cover a lot of that. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And today we're going to talk about the early phase in a business. If you're an entrepreneur, my guest is someone who has uh, done it several times. He's helped others do it. And uh, his name is Tom Mays. Tom, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me here, Doug. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, you're calling from the Vancouver area, as I recall. That's right. That's right. Beautiful part of the world. If uh, you're listening and haven't been up there, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a gorgeous place to go. And uh, I'm, uh, I think I told you when we first met Tom, I'm a little bit jealous. I, uh, I love that part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> you must have visited in the, uh, the summertime. Uh, probably, probably <laughs> uh, summer or spring. I, I think I, uh, spring, I think specifically uh, went over to Victoria and the Butcher gardens over there and took that in, in full bloom. It's a gorgeous thing, but yeah, absolutely. But anyway. I recommend people come for summer or if you love the snow, then come in the, uh, the winter, but the gaps in the middle <clears> between <throat> those two can be a little bit wet, but yeah, it's still, still yeah. Beautiful. understood. But uh, but but again, welcome to the show. So, if if you would, Tom, give everybody a quick rundown, kind of your background and and kind of the things you're focused on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, just super quickly, uh, focused on four businesses at the moment. One being a, a commodity and currency trading fund, uh, co-founded about three and a half four years ago. Uh, networked with a lot of high net worth entities and individuals, uh, built a team there, raised capital for that, and then uh, realized that I was leaving money on the table because the investors were always also looking for technology or other kinds of projects, alternative medicines, real estate. Um, that's what created another company, a consulting firm where we raise capital for individual projects or companies, uh, come on and assist them with scalability, introduce them to uh, strategic partnerships, help with patent applications, a uh, variety of different things. Got a team of about 12 there. Uh, and then the third business is focused in the Web3 and NFT space uh, called NXT Digital. With that, um, not a huge amount of opportunity I'm working on in that space at the moment due to the to the current NFT market space, but I believe the NFT space will definitely evolve over the next three, four, five, six years. And I want to be in, included in that process. And I'm a, a learn by doing opposed to learn by watching kind of person. Uh, so we've got a team of about nine, kind of like a research and development space with that. And then the fourth business is uh, Alita International Consultants with, um, we've got about 11 different consultants from health and wellness to PhDs in artificial intelligence to uh, social media or leadership coaching, and uh, we help with a wide variety of services there as well. Good. <clears throat> so, bona fide serial entrepreneur with a uh, num number of irons in the fire and things going on. Uh, when we began talking about this, uh, I, we we spent a little time talking about the 
really the uber early stages, uh, as I said in the segue coming in, the, the person that thinks they've got a little fire as an entrepreneur wants to go start something. Tom, do you think there's a kind of a profile or a framework of, of how people ought to be thinking and checking their gut to see if they've really got what it's going to take to be a successful entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, I, I, in my opinion, entrepreneurs are built, not, uh, not born. Um, if you have the tenacity and drive to push through difficulty and overcome and become, then I believe anybody can be an entrepreneur. It's how far you really want to push yourself to what limit you want to grow to. Um, you know, the, the limiting beliefs and the, the development that you have to do to have a 10 person company or, you know, a five man company opposed to a thousand or 10,000 is, is greatly different. And in my personal opinion, I don't believe in putting limiting beliefs on anybody or myself with saying, Oh, I wasn't born to do that. If I have a, a desire, a burning desire to do that, then, then I'm going to figure out what it takes to accomplish it. So anybody that has that willingness to push through great difficulties, whether it's in sports or business or any kind of hobby that you're pursuing, um, you're never going to be perfect <clears throat> at it from the beginning, but knowing that you're going to have to go through failure over and over again to be better. If you're a professional mountain biker, expect to break some bones to become one of the best in the world, right? So same thing with, with business, just, um, I would say the number one thing is tenacity. You can't give up. Yeah. And I like your phrase, the, the limiting belief that that is something that I think is very uh, prevalent in the, in the world of wannabe entrepreneurs. They, they may believe they have an idea, but as soon as they start getting it um, on the drawing board and, and try to look at it, they get overcome by these limiting beliefs, you know, what if this, what if that, or it may not be the limiting beliefs in their own head, but it may be in the circle of people around them that are telling them, Oh, you can't do that. That's, that's a stupid idea. Um, what are you thinking? And how do you counter that when you, when you realize that's what's getting ready to happen? Hmm. I love that. Um, I, like to use comparison in as useful of an application as possible. So I love to look at, you know, the Elon Musk's, the Richard Branson's of the world. And if you read their story, they really had no experience or no business starting a lot of those businesses that they did. I mean, Richard Branson's story about starting Virgin Airlines is, is hilarious. You know, he wanted an airline. So he just went and started building it. You know, he didn't have experience in the airline business of 10 years or 15 years. He didn't have massive connections. You know, he had to go and build those connections. Same with Jesse Itzler when he built his uh, private airline, uh, Marky Jets. It's just making the decision, seeing the opportunity, and then building it as you go and really growing into that space. I mean, I think we can all agree that um, whenever we've started any kind of sport or hobby or new activity, whether it's a business or activities in general, like you were not good. You did not have the connections. You did not have the skill set. You did not have the mindset. You had to just figure it out and grow into the person that was able to fulfill that, that application. So I think that's key. Yeah. And it, it really does tie to that 
belief in in whatever your idea is, whether it's a product or a service or an innovation of some kind, just really pressing through and and getting on with it. Um, I just did an interview recently. In fact, it, it dropped this week, but of course, we're going to get this on air long after this time frame I'm talking about here. But <clears throat> a uh, an entrepreneur wanted to create a retreat center, and he thought he would do it in Hawaii. It made sense, but when he got into the weeds trying to figure it out, he realized there were certain just local laws and restrictions and way too many fundamental hurdles to get over. So um, he told his investors he had already started accumulating money with, for this idea. He told them, we're, we're going to go somewhere else and hope you're not too tied up with Hawaii. The investor said, no, we're tied up with the idea, not the location. And he ended up in Costa Rica hmm. and uh, uh, now has a world-class five-star resort down there. That's this giant retreat center and conference center and uh, phenomenal success. And they, they opened it right before COVID and uh, right. bad time to open a hospitality <laughs> facility. Right. But yeah. They uh, they had the backing. He he found investors that had the long game in mind. They weren't worried about immediate returns. Uh, they went to work and they got it done. And now it's a five star. It's booked like two and a half years in advance. And you know you you, you can't get a date there right now. You you have to get on the calendar. And great success story. So it's that. We, we touched on the idea of tenacity. You just believe in the vision you're wanting to do. Like you said, Richard Branson wanted to build an airline, not having a fundamental clue how to do it. Yeah. But he embarked on a lot of learning, I think, to your point. Oh, totally. Those are the first steps, right? Just if you, if you have an idea or a vision, just start <clears throat> working towards it step by step. I mean, Elon Musk, same thing with Tesla, same thing with SpaceX, right? Like it's just went from payment processing with PayPal in the finance world to something that is completely different. And I use those comparisons as inspiration opposed to like beating myself up and saying, oh, like, who am I? Why can't I do that? Right. So, you know, when you, when you think of those, you know, great accomplishments and then I, I'm sitting at home and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I could start my own construction business or I wonder if I should start my own social media business. It's like, well, you can't be that much better to go and start a completely like space exploration company. But, you know, I can't start a social media company with two friends or something like that. Right. So it's it is those limiting beliefs. And I try to highlight those limiting beliefs and be as self-aware as possible to identify those and then say, hey, this is just programmed in my subconscious. I want to be able to overcome this because this is not helping me. Right. And then, and then stepping towards that. And for me, it's, it's all through action, right? Like a lot of people, they try to sit at home and, you know, knowledge is amazing reading books and podcasts and, and studying and going to courses and whatnot. But um, for myself, especially is learn by doing right. Like if you have a limiting belief and you're scared of, public speaking the best thing to go do is go to toastmasters and go public speak right you can read about public speaking as much as you want but until you actually get into that space and start doing it um, that's the fastest way to overcome a lot of that so that you can start pursuing what you want to and then i was just speaking with an individual yesterday or the day before and i think of entrepreneurship a lot like slacklining you know those guys that walk on that tight rope between two trees 
And the professionals that have been doing it for tens of thousands of hours, they have incredible balance. They can bounce on it. They can do tricks. They can do incredible things. Um, and that's what I look at somebody who's a real professional in business because an inch either way, you fall off and then you have to get back on. You fall off, you get back on. And, you know, that individual that you just mentioned with changing location to from Hawaii to Costa Rica, they could have screwed that whole thing up by freaking out, going to their investors and saying, oh, I'm so sorry, guys, it's not going to work out. Like, I'll give you all your money back and, you know, my apologies, right? But no, he decided to stay on the slack line instead of getting off of it and being creative enough to think of a, a yeah. solution, right? Opposed to just giving up. Exactly. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, he went and did the, did the research and bought the property and, and, uh, went back to the investors and said, surprise, we now own land. So we're, we're, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> right. And, and that's amazing. That's just him like pushing <laughs> through and overcoming and, and not just, um, you know, freaking out with the self-doubt and then hopping off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in your experience, Tom, as you get kind of past that initial hurdle of dealing with those limiting beliefs, what have you seen or what have you experienced is, is kind of the next level of, of putting it all together and making things happen? Mm, for, for, for myself, it's really um, like over the past, I would say eight, nine nine months, I, I hired a very prestigious business coach and he's been very helpful with this. He's managed thousands of employees in his own companies. And I was always trying to be, you know, the perfectionist entrepreneur. And it was, you know, my brand and it had to be done this way. And I wanted to be done this, this way with the team, et cetera, et cetera. And it was like, Tom, like you're working way too much, like in the business opposed to on the business. And he's been telling me more and more to slow down, step back. Your job is to be creative. It's to bring strategic partnerships in, is to be creating systems, to be thinking of new ideas, to be delegating to the team and leading the team and helping them become the leader that you were, right? Like you should be transferring that leadership to other individuals. And that's how you can really scale and build a large organization instead of me being the bottleneck of, you know, 25 people. Um, I need to expand my capacity to 100 people, 200 people, 500 people, 1,000 people, or maybe it's, you know, 25 people in one business, 50 in another, and you know, 10 in another, um, just really identifying what I want to accomplish with my life and how I want that to look and then working towards it, as we have mentioned. Um, but it's really just another stage of removing limiting beliefs. And that's one that I've been working on lately is, is scaling my leadership potential, um, and uh, creating better systems with better ideas, with better strategic partnerships, and creating win-win situations so everybody is progressing and and winning. Yeah, I, I think that's a big one, and and I see that a lot in the business advisory work I do with with uh, owners and founders. There's a there's an inevitable journey that happens when you do commit to start the business. It, it's part that founder mentality and that ownership that is very obvious in the early going and, and that gets in the way of proper growth and scaling of the business. If, if you think you have to have your fingerprint on every decision and every move and every transaction that's going through the, the company, you're not going to be, you can't scale that. Yeah. Because exactly. there are only 24 hours in the day, period, and you're done. Yeah, exactly. And 
if you can't uh, uh, duplicate, replicate yourself and your values for where you want the company to go and what you want it to be about and impart that into others so that they can pick up the slack and they can carry it forward. And it becomes a simple multiplication game. If, if you can, uh, I don't necessarily like the word, but if you can effectively clone yourself and by that, I mean your values, your vision, your, your uh, motivation, if you clone that in others, then do the math, you know, you get two people, you get twice as much done, three people, three times and so on and so on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, There's a saying, it's like, would you rather have a hundred percent of the results of your own work or would you rather have 1% of a hundred people's results? Right. And um, that kind of just expands on that mindset, but having someone like yourself to come in as an advisor to a team and say, Hey, step back or look at this or look at that. And, um, through the education system, we've really been taught how to be workers, right? That's what we, that's what we've been taught to do is get in and get your work done, get your work done, get your work done. But, um, you know, CEOs of companies, they're not supposed to be getting work done, you know, advisory boards, as well as board of directors, they need to be creatively thinking opposed to actually doing the work, right? So it's structuring your companies, transferring over that leadership, and then, um, and then scaling from there. So I totally, totally agree with you. Yeah, one one guy that I'm a student of, and uh, a lot of people know the name John Maxwell. Mm, uh, John John one time said that one of many definitions of a leader, he says a leader will see more than the people around them, and they'll see it before the people around them. And if you're head down in the weeds, flipping burgers or (laughs) processing transactions you can't see those things you mm-hmm. know over the horizon and and that's what the role of a, a true founder needs to be is that visionary that's going to continue to search for the the next opportunity and the, and the next coming event as the company grows as founder you might not be the best ceo for the company yeah you can still totally. be a visionary leader, but you might not be the CEO because what CEO says, chief executive officer executing on the business. Mm-hmm. And that may not be a founder's role anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's where like my opinion, self-awareness is huge, right? Maybe um, you are the COO and you want to be in operations all day and you need to bring a visionary in who has a bigger vision than you do, right? Or maybe you are that visionary where you need someone to come in and do all of the operations. Exactly. And I have launched a, a new business here in the past like four months as kind of just a like a side project. And my goal is to be completely hands-free. So I've had, I've done probably three hours a week on this business and I've got two people working in it. So it's a really small business. And my goal is to not do any work, period, but have a call with them. And they don't know this, but <laughs> this is my strategy, right? So so then I will, like, I haven't written one document. I haven't written, done anything on the website. You know, I just review the work that comes in and I say, okay, I'll read it. Okay, we should adjust this. We should adjust that. Okay, the, you know, financing should be like this. Okay, um, you know, I think the the payment processing should be this. And what it's enabled me to do has been like, holy crap, like, 
I honestly think the operation of this business would be worse if I was in this business. These guys are doing such a good job and it allows me to be totally backed off and just like thinking about it objectively from a third party and bringing in good ideas. So then when we have calls, they're like, oh, Tom, that's a great idea. But it's because I have the great idea because I'm not directly involved in the day to day. Right. And it's been a very interesting experience. And I see it extremely scalable because then I can be like, okay, let's bring in one more person, one more person, one more person. Okay. A pinch point is the sales and the marketing. Okay. We need someone for lead generation. Now we need somebody to help in operations. Right. And it's, uh, I think that's like, that's, that's one of my, my life goals is to be able to have multiple businesses that are self-sustainable. I think that's the dream of many, many entrepreneurs. And I always thought like, oh, I have to reach this extreme point before I would be able to do that. And I would have to have massive, massive overhead. And I was working with my coach and I'm like, well, no, like I can start it now. I just need to be more creative. I need to think outside the box. How can I do it? What business can I do it with? And um, it's been a, an amazing experience. Yeah. Well, um, I just wrote an article on my blog not long ago about uh, referencing the highly popular uh entrepreneur's operating system gino wickman in his book traction introduced it and there's a whole cottage industry of coaches that have become eos implementers and it's the it's a framework that wickman uh, explains for business owners to pursue and one of the things in the book is for scalability and and uh, repeatability you've you need to think in terms of defining functional responsibilities that your company needs to operate at its maximum efficiency. And those become the boxes on your org chart, you know, you, you know, hire a COO or hire a marketing guy or hire a sales guy. But too, too often entrepreneurs, they get their idea to, to start a business and they run out and what do they do? They hire friends and family to be the employees. And the logic usually goes something like this. Well, I trust them. They're going to work cheap. I can afford them and, you know, we can, we'll make the best of it and I'll figure it out later. Well, mm -hmm that has a very short shelf life usually. And eventually that's not a good sustainable business. And you compound that with having to alienate family and friends to when you want to fire them to bring in somebody better suited. It's a very yeah. tough and awkward situation. So my point is <clears throat> if, if somebody's out there thinking about a business, it's, it's wise to, perhaps find a coach or an advisor that can help you think through that process and define those critical needs. And when you get ready to think, to start reaching out and hiring people, you, you fill specific responsibilities. You don't craft the job to suit a person. Yeah. Yeah. You need to find the person for the job. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree. And to your point there with family and friends, I, I see that as well, where, you know, people try to go and sell to their family and friends right away as well, like their services, because they're going to support them, which is, you know, great, but it's just not scalable and duplicatable, right? Like if you're going to, unless you got a massive family, um, but right, like after you've done the first business and it, say it's successful or if it's successful, it's easier, but if it fails, then are you going to go back to your family again and then do it for the second With your business, next idea for your third idea for your fourth idea? And 
um i believe the average is third it's either 11 or 13 businesses before an entrepreneur really has a as a, a successful successful business so you've got to you know have multiple tries right and right i agree you got to have a scalable model right yeah well tom i think we're up on a break point here we're gonna uh, drop a quick commercial in here and when we come back we're gonna dig a little more into some of the other angles and considerations for getting out there and getting that business going so hang with us we'll be right back Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense, and I'm Doug Thorpe. I'm talking today with Tom Mays, and we've been talking about the front-end part of starting a business. We got through a couple of the initial hurdles, but then I think the next question is uh, one of scalability, and I think Tom's got some great ideas on that. So, um, Tom, you want to elaborate on that? I, I encourage entrepreneurs to think about businesses that are also scalable. Um, so going into construction or going into landscaping, which is a lot of the first businesses, they're very limited logistically, right? You're, you physically have to be somewhere. Um, the input and the export is, is different. And, you know, finding labor and employees is quite different. And that's one shift that I made uh, about four years ago was I pretty much vowed to never make or never start another business that was either location dependent or or hard to scale. So that's why I've been looking a lot into the technology space as well as the finance space, um, because you can have a really large investment fund with a small team managed very well. You can have a very successful technology company that scales to a high evaluation or has great monthly revenue with a, with a small team as well. Um, and if your goal as an entrepreneur is freedom, which is a very common theme with a lot of entrepreneurs, which is kind of crazy because we're willing to work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week um, to eventually get that freedom is think of businesses that will enable you to truly have that freedom where you can go to you know, Italy for a month or two, and you can manage your business from there on 10 hours a week okay. or 20 hours <clears throat> a week. Right. And, and thinking about if your goal is to make, you know, 10 million, 40 million, hundred million dollars, uh, a landscaping business is not going to get you to a hundred million dollars. Right. So I always recommend to people like, think about your long-term outcome in combination with your uh, values and, and your morals, you know, like, what do you want to accomplish with your life when you pass away? Uh, for me, it's, you know, the relationships that I have with people I want to give back, I want to help other people overcome. I want to have a lot of innovation in this world and help the world progress from a technology standpoint, um, helping improve the lives of, you know, many people in the world. Um, so I'm keeping that in mind with the businesses that I want to scale. And then I also have, you know, dollar figures that I'm chasing and it eliminates a lot of options and it, you know, helps me stay focused on where to progress. So 
I think those are great ideas on the scalability thing. You know, your point about location, I think, is uh, is very specific. And I've definitely seen companies, and you mentioned ideas like landscaping companies or even construction companies. And ironically, I've got a couple of clients that are in the home building business, and that's one of their biggest challenges is, again, from a human capital standpoint, unless you're ready to really hire a, a large number of crews to go do your work, the scalability is a real challenge. Uh, I've got lots of friends with construction companies or landscaping companies and um, location dependent companies. And when I have conversations with them, I just see the underlying theme of what they're talking about is wanting to freedom and, and travel. And they're jealous of like how much I travel and um, you know, my flexibility of my schedule and whatnot, because they're very still structured with it, with I'm their bound, business, yeah. right? Very, very bound. And um, I, I try to just get them to like slow down and be like, okay, well, like, what do you truly want? You know, like I know right now you're making great money in your construction and landscaping business. You know, you're making your, uh, you know, a million, $2 million in revenue. You're, you're pocketing two, 300 K per year. Like that's, that's a great business. You know, most people are happy with that, but you're also working 80 hours per week and you're beating up your body and you know, it's really, really stressful and you haven't been on vacation in four years. And um, you know, you've kind of created your own prison. That's very, comfortable and it's well not even comfortable it's very profitable <laughs> very profitable prison and um you know trying to convince those people or just have an open discussion with them about like okay well like if you want to be doing this when you're 50 60 great you know keep going on on this track but maybe you envision at 50 or 60 that you are able to travel and have more flexibility and maybe you don't want to be capped down at 10 or $20 million because it's very hard to scale past that with a landscaping business um, to even get to that point is extremely difficult, but maybe you would want to go into the hundreds of millions uh, of dollars. So if you take the time to slow down and really think about what you want long-term, you might be making some different decisions now. Right. And I had a conversation with one, I was coaching and, and mentoring him and um, I, I had to coach him on, you know, stepping back from his business and giving more power to his team. And he called me like two months later. He's like, Tom, a whole job got done without me even showing up to the job site. And I was like, perfect, perfect. Now you're on track to being able to actually scale this business opposed to being everywhere at all times. Right. So we went from working like hundred hour weeks, huge, huge weeks to going down to like 70. Right. And that yeah. was a major lifestyle change for him. And now he's looking more at his investments and he's putting money elsewhere and he wants to even reduce down to 50 hours per week. And then he'll look at starting a different business. Right. And that's, that's progressive as an individual, as an entrepreneur, right. Opposed to getting into that hamster wheel where you're just created your own treadmill. Right. Yeah. There's a very interesting dynamic I think that exists that a lot of entrepreneurs might miss. And that is that um, if, if you set the course and set the vision of what you're wanting to do, you can find people that want to do the thing that you're creating, but they don't want to be in charge of it. They don't want to take it over. They don't want to have that kind of responsibility, but they do want to have a good job where they're working hard and making a difference. And it's all about 
you know, different kinds of people in the world. I think sometimes entrepreneurs um, maybe get hung up on the idea that once they're ready to start hiring people, they jump too quick to the assumption that the person I'm going to hire is going to want to take my idea and go do it somewhere else. And that's not just not true. There, there's going to be a few of those, but generally that's just not true. Instead, the, the numbers are much greater for the fact that you can attract talent that's willing to come do their job working for you to yeah. get those things done, like the crew that got the project done without your friend ever showing up for it. All you got to do is show them the plan and the scope, and, and if they've got the technical ability to go do it, they'll do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's like, you, you hear this a million times, but entrepreneurship is, you know, 99% mental. It's all, it's all your mindset and being able to step back and, and think about that and see that is just, it's, um, it's so important. So yeah, going step by step. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. This may be a curveball. So if it is, I apologize. You can wave it off and we'll go another direction, but you've alluded to the whole idea of time and you were talking to your friend about, you know, making time to go travel and do things. What, what have you experienced that you think is one of the biggest hindrances to an entrepreneur that can't find enough time in the day to do the big things they need to be doing? Yeah, I would say it's, it's quite specific to the, to the situation that they have. Um, if they can delegate, they definitely need to, to delegate more. I would say every entrepreneur needs to be able to delegate more. And that actually, I'll come back to delegation, but I wanted to remember while it was on my mind, as you were mentioning about different people with different skill sets and, you know, finding the right person for the job. I was talking with somebody on my team and they're just like, oh, I absolutely love making these graphic designs. I'm like, thank God, because they drive me insane. <laughs> like, I hate doing that, you know, like number crunching. I hate doing that. Like they love it. So it's, and you know, there's multiple people that don't want the stress of having their own business. Just like you mentioned, they're not going to go and steal your idea. They just want somewhere that they feel welcomed, a great community, and they can work and they can scale, right? So that's, that's so important when you're delegating work to your team, you know, you're delegating it to people with their strengths and weaknesses in mind, right? If someone is good at something, delegate them that work. If they hate something, try to avoid it. Sometimes you don't, you can't avoid it. So you have to, but that's how you create a good company culture where people are happy and excited to work for you. And the statistics on people being happy and excited versus being miserable at work, you know, you just get a way higher performance, but with time it's again, it's, it's so mental. Um, I would say a lot of entrepreneurs could probably cut out like 40 to 50% of what they're doing and their business would still be successful. You know, it's very similar to the 80, 20 rule, you know, 20% of what you do, creates 80% of your results. And I've seen this directly over the past seven months with how much work I've time. Well, I say it called work, but it's really just time. I used to work, you know, 10, 10 to 18 hours a day, every day for, for the past 10 years. And my business coach who's had tens of thousands of employees says, I'm stupid for working this much. I need to stop and I need to reduce it. And I've really, really reduced so many things to the point where I won't get on calls unless they're really worthwhile. I will not to send emails unless they're really worthwhile. I will not do things that do not have like a very high, um, say like time or work to reward ratio, right? Where before I would be doing everything all the time. I would send these emails. I would be getting on calls. I'd be doing meetings. 
having an hour, two hour meetings for like really not that productive, but felt they were productive until now where it's like this person wants to talk for an hour. I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> you know, like I'll give you 15 minutes, you know, and I get on the call 15 minutes. How can I help you? What can we do? Okay, nothing. Okay, perfect. Let's go our separate ways. Right. But with that time where I'm really reduced it, it's really pushed me to be a lot more productive with that yeah, time. That's well said. Uh, yeah, I think it is a mindset shift. And, uh, you know, I often talk with coaching clients about the, the classic uh, four blocker analysis of the things on your plate. You know, Stephen Covey kind of made it famous, but it was attributed to Dwight Eisenhower, this idea of the, the difference between urgent and important. And, yeah. you know, the, the four block grid that that creates when you look at urgent and important. And uh, the reality is as the owner founder, there's only one block you need to be paying attention to. That's the things that are both urgent and important. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the other stuff, two of the four blocks, you can delegate one way or another. You either delegate it to somebody who needs to learn what you're doing. That's the important but not urgent. You know, the, yeah. you've got time to let them learn or the um, urgent but not so important. Maybe you give that to somebody that's got a little experience. They can knock it out and get it done. Exactly. And then that last block, not urgent, not important. Guess what? In the <laughs> trash can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, what my coach is just like, like the two most valuable commodities we have is energy and time. Right. And we hear that over and over and over again, but a lot of us, we don't actually implement it. Right. And I just like you were talking about urgent and important. Um, I got on a call with my business coach and I was like, oh, sorry, I'm so, so tired today. Like I, you know, was up till 2 a.m. last night finishing a project because we had a deadline today. And and he's like, did you really have to do that? And I was like, well, yeah, because this that, and the other thing He's like, so you're telling me you couldn't have sent an email and said, hey, do you guys mind if it's going to be 24 hours or 48 hours um, delayed? And do you think they would have been upset? I'm like, no, they wouldn't have been upset. They actually said that, you know, it wasn't a big deal. You know, they would have waited one or two days, no problem. He's like, so then you stayed up till 2 a.m. working on a project, wrecked your sleep. So now you're going to be tired for the whole next day and potentially even the next day after that. Um, you really need to start learning how to guard your energy and guard your time. And I was like, that is that is such a good point. Where before I was always in the mentality of like, who cares? Work harder, grind harder, work harder, grind harder, which is good. You get a lot done, but you're very tunnel visioned. You know, you're not actually thinking about the consequences. Um, in my opinion, you get stuck doing a lot of really um, low reward, low profitability work that, um, you know, somebody else should be doing or you probably shouldn't be doing it at all. But it feels very productive yeah. when it's not. Well, and to come full circle back to in the first half of the show, you were talking about uh, Elon Musk and Richard Branson. And I always ask my clients the question, what do you think is different about them and the way they approach their work than what you're doing right now? Because guess what? You and they have the exact same number of seconds in every day that you're alive. And so the Monday... 10 years ago when Elon and Richard woke up and you woke up and you said, what am I going to do today for my business? 
you know, one of them went out and created a space company. The other one started an airline and you did what, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and it was the deployment of those seconds in the day. It was the strategic decisions they made on who they were going to call that they could leverage talent or they could draw knowledge and they could make that really it's a leverage issue. They could make that leverage work in their favor and they mm -hmm. weren't, they weren't the ones grinding on making that happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, like I mentioned, using comparison as a value add to your life and, and, and beneficial opposed to, you know, negative forms of comparison. I use this exact same example with the, the friend I was talking to you about. His name is Ryan with the landscaping company. And he was telling me about how he had no time in the day or the week and how he couldn't delegate work because nobody could do it as good as he could and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, like you're at 10 employees like how are you ever going to get to 100 how are you ever going to get to 200 how are you going to get to owning 15 different businesses how are you going to be able to do that you know Richard Branson has his name attached to over 450 companies Tony Robbins has over 100 companies his name's associated to and it's just like it just smashes the paradigm of and it really makes people think and like step back and be like I am totally doing something wrong it's not do more it's like I need to think differently and that's happened to me many times in my life where I've had to really take that step back and um, re rethink the ways that I was um, that I was doing things yeah yeah <clears throat> well Tom I think this has been great I, I think we're probably gonna as we say uh, round third and head for home here um, any uh, final takeaways you want to share with people? And I'm, I'm going back to the guy who's maybe sitting there listening and, and right on the edge of pulling the trigger to go out and launch a business, you know, any final thoughts for them? Um, learn by doing absolutely learn by doing um, the fastest way to like destroy limiting beliefs or um, you know, barriers is by action in my opinion um get out there and just start doing it start pushing forward make the you know make the business cards make the contacts do small jobs reach out start having the conversations with people and you know launch the business in a manner where it's you know baby steps you know for you to step into it and progress opposed to looking at it as a whole scary audacious project um, and then if you can also bring people into the equation that have um, you know, that are a couple steps further on their journey, whether it's a business partner or a mentor or somebody that you can have a conversation with that may be able to help you through those, through those steps, um, to be able to accomplish it. Yeah. And, and I think wrapped up in that, uh, if I may add is, is the idea, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, I think that's a limiting belief that gets a lot of people derailed. It's yeah. like, if I can't do it perfectly and do it right, I'm not going to do it. And then to your point, well, you're not doing then if that's what you're going to do. And exactly. I think it was Thomas Edison that was famously you know, remarked about all the hundreds of failures he had inventing the light bulb. It's like, no, I don't look at it as a failure. I just resolved that there's one more thing that won't work. So I get yeah. that off out. Of, I get it out of the way. Now I keep plowing to the one that will work. Yeah, and exactly. It's and a whole and knowing... different paradigm shift of was that a failure? No, it was a it was a success because I've eliminated something that's 
otherwise going to be in my way. So yeah, and just accept that you're probably going to suck at it. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. you know, if I go dancing tomorrow and go try break dancing, I'm going to suck. Like, I'm going to be the worst break dancer you've ever seen <laughs> in your life, right? But like, I I have this mindset of like, I know I'm going to suck. So you know, just go through the process. I'll try to find a good break dance teacher and I'll try to work with them and try to get better step by step by learn by doing and um yeah just not afraid to, to to go and actually do it because it's how you learn anything right it's like talking to your kid you're trying to ride a bike or something he's like oh well you shouldn't do it because you're not going to ride a bike perfectly the first right, time right no you want them to fall. Sure. Yeah, exactly <clears throat> well tom if uh people want to get a hold of you what's the best way to do that uh the best way is just tommaze.com uh with that i've got my social media links on there as well as links to to each business that I'm building. I keep it updated as things progress. And there's other podcasts on there that I've been on. And uh, yeah, people can reach out to uh, to us through there. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us today. Appreciate all your insight and your comments. Good to have you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Doug. I really, really like your podcast. You bet. You bet. Well, folks, uh, I'm going to remind you that um, if you're listening to this on your streaming service, we do have a video version over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, subscribe to the channel. You'll get notices for all the updates. And uh, I do want to remind everybody we're dropping shows three times a week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we hit the airwaves. And um, if you're on our mail list, you'll get a, a digest version on Thursday highlighting uh, each of the three shows that dropped that week and links to everything else. So um, join the mail list as well. And uh, for now, we're going to shut this down say goodbye. And thank you for listening. Take care. <clears throat>